Let's turn together to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6 as we resume our study of the book of Matthew, specifically dealing with the Lord's Prayer as we've been looking at it. And tonight we'll be primarily looking at verses 10 and 11, uh, with most of our emphasis being on verse number 10. The Lord Jesus here, of course, in this particular portion, uh, first of all, is going to continue to teach the disciples to, in fact, seek the kingdom of God first, to, of course, seek his righteousness, and, of course, to be looking for his glory uh, to be revealed and to made, be made known before all things. We've learned from this particular prayer that the concept or the principle of prayer is not first and foremost for our needs and our wants, although we are going to deal with verse 11, which does deal specifically with our daily necessities. But it's in verse 10 that a very familiar uh, couple of phrases appear. It says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So after the things of God's glory are emphasized, after we are praying for God's glory to be made known, and as we mentioned two weeks ago, the requesting of the hallowing of his name, there in fact is where we begin to ask for our needs to be met. We pray first of all for God's glory. We pray for God's kingdom. And we pray for his will. And primarily, that's what our great heart's desire is, is we want God's name to be hallowed, we want his kingdom to come, and we certainly want his will to be done. And it's then we pray for the needful support and necessities of our life. Just by way of a quick review, a couple weeks ago, we dealt primarily with that, that expression in verse number nine that said, hallowed be thy name. And that word hallowed means to render or to pronounce as holy. Now, God's name in its very essence, the name God is essentially holy. It is holy. Uh, our prayer that hallowed be thy name is not us asking for his name to be made holy. It already is holy. But in the prayer of hallowed be thy name, the petition of the believer has the idea or the, the, the principle of letting his name be celebrated, letting his name be esteemed, letting his name be revered. So it's a petition. It's, it's not the idea that, God, we, we want your name to be made holy. God's name is already holy. God, that name already has the, the numerous names of the Old Testament. Elohim and Jehovah. Those names, there's already an, an essence of holiness in them. But this is the prayer of, this is the desire of our hearts. Is that his name would not just be holy in essence. But it would be holy everywhere. That men would receive and give honor to his name. That's the idea here. 
It's the expression or the petition of a worshiper. If I truly am worshiping God, I'm not asking God for an emotional experience. What I'm asking God for is that the world and people might revere his name for who he is. And that's, that's a great essence of worship. Uh, the, the modern church today is looking for an experience and not so much about a hallowing of his name. Now, why this hallowing of thy name matters is because it leads us into the, the, the expressions, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Notice first, there is this hallowing of thy name. We're asking that your name would be revered by people everywhere. That people would have the proper honor and respect for who God is. But then as we see this principle of thy kingdom come. Now when we see the word kingdom in, in scripture, we're often uh, tempted to run to the idea of a particular period of time where we say okay the kingdom or a particular reference this is a reference to a specific time in God's kingdom but the 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 tense here and the meaning here kingdom the word actually means reign so it, it is it could be expressed thy reign come the petition is an expression or a desire or a, 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 a prayer that God would reign everywhere. So the worshiper, first of all, asks for God's name to be hallowed by all people. But then also that there's this prayer that God's reign would be everywhere. Now, where would, what would the evidence of God's reign be? The evidence of God's reign would be his laws were being obeyed. Now, we know from society, in a sinful society, it is a, it's becoming more and more rare to see the law of God being obeyed. But that is, in fact, what this prayer is. Thy reign come, that everywhere your laws would be obeyed. And that the gospel itself, the gospel would go forth and it would be advanced everywhere. See, we ought to be praying for his kingdom, his reign to come, and we should desire that the glory of God would be seen everywhere. And there's nothing more glorious than a soul being converted. There's nothing more glorious than seeing his reign and his will, secondly, being done. Thy will be done. Now, the word will here, or the will of God, is, is, is closely related to thy kingdom come, because the will of God is that men should obey his law, and as a result, they should be holy. So when we're asking for God's reign to come, we're asking that his reign would be everywhere, his laws would be obeyed, to, 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 to tie on that second half, thy will be done, is that men would actually respond the way they should. That we actually would see men obeying his law. And we would see holiness, true holiness, being exhibited. So the word will here has reference to his law. So that the prayer is, is that thy reign would come and thy law would be done. Now, 
Obedience is not just about doing what God says. Obedience is what is acceptable. So when we think about obedience to God, we're really talking about being acceptable to Him. And of course, to be acceptable to God, it requires righteousness that is only provided in and through Christ. So in other words, for us to pray then that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven is to pray that His law, His revealed law, would be obeyed and loved. There's one thing to obey the laws of God. There's another thing to love and delight in the law of God. Can you imagine a society that actually delighted and loved the laws of God? Can you imagine a a world that actually says we don't delight in our own way and what's doing right in our own eyes. We delight in the law of God. Now you realize that in heaven, why the request is this, that thy will be done in heaven as it is in earth. Why is, is Jesus teaching about a reference to in heaven? Because do you realize that his will is always perfectly obeyed in heaven? Remember, part of the Sermon on the Mount is people that are praying as citizens of the kingdom of God. Can you imagine that in heaven... There is never, ever a single time when his will and his law is not obeyed. It's almost unthinkable to us to think there's never disobedience in heaven to the law of God. His law was perfectly obeyed in heaven, and there ought to be a desire by his true children here on this earth that that same obedience and love for his law would be done here. The object of those first three petitions of how would be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as we've talked about, is that we first of all want God's name to be glorified. Above everything else, we want God's name to be glorified. And we want his kingdom or his reign to be established. So what we're really learning here, by placing those things first, we learn, okay, this is an important concept. If you don't get anything else tonight, this is it. We learn that God's glory and his kingdom are of much more consequence and importance than our wants. Okay? So his glory, his kingdom are much more of a consequence than our wants. Sadly, most prayer has been watered down to simply just give us what we want. Not understanding that what we should desire more than anything is God's glory and his reign. Now it's difficult on a practical side. Because everyone here tonight has wants. And you have needs. You have very real needs. Jesus is not teaching that you can never pray for your wants and never pray for your needs. Because we're going to look at that very basic prayer. It doesn't get any more simple or direct than the next verse. Give us this day our daily bread. Now that seems like a simplistic prayer, but do you know the depth of what, do you know the depth of that expression? You, are, you are, are looking at a complete dependence upon God when we say, give us this day our daily bread. 
So Jesus is very careful to instruct his disciples that God's glory, God's kingdom, God's name are to come first. Now it's interesting that when we go before the throne of grace and we read in scripture about come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in a time of need, we know that there's no greater place to find help than at the throne of grace. But we also understand that this is, a, this is a, a prayer that is important. It's so important that when Jesus was teaching this, even the Jews themselves, many of the Jews who would deny that Jesus is the Messiah, believed so strongly that if a prayer did not mention the kingdom of heaven, it did not mention God's kingdom and God's will, that it did not qualify as a prayer. Now think about that just for a moment. Here are these, here are these Jewish rabbis who deny, they deny Christ as the Messiah, but yet they were so particular in their prayer before God of the God of heaven that they would say, if you don't mention God's kingdom and God's will, it doesn't even qualify as prayer. Now why is that important? Well, because they are, this, the Jews had this, this, this prayer because they had such a reverence for the name of God. You study in the Old Testament and you even study tradition, many of them would not even say the name God because there was such a reverence for his name. It goes right along with that. That if you were dare to ask a prayer in the name of this God who is so revered, but but to do it in a way where you didn't even mention God's kingdom and God's will first, then it didn't even qualify as a prayer. So I think it's fair to say that the Jews would have found any prayer that just simply started with, Lord, give me, maybe would not even qualify as a prayer in their minds. But then you notice how this does connect with verse number 11, where he says, give us this day our daily bread. The Jews also had a prayer that was very similar to this. I'm going to read this verbatim. This is a prayer that they would pray with regard to this give us this day. Because remember, Jesus isn't saying that you have to pray these exact words. But here's what they would pray. The necessities of thy people are many, and their knowledge small, so that they do not know how to make known their wants. Let it be thy good pleasure to give to each one what is necessary for his sustenance. Think about the very idea of prayer. They're praying with such reverence. They're praying with such dependence that the Jews would actually say, we're not even sure how to pray, what to pray for, because our knowledge of what we need is actually so small. It's a profound thought. You and I think we know what we need. But do you know when you come before a holy God, there are times you don't even know what you really need. Now, I'm not saying we don't ever know. But there are times where we, ha- we should be so submissive 
to what God's will and purpose is for us that we pray something as simple, give us this day our daily bread. That's pretty nonspecific. It's give us what we need to be sustained today. Now there's a couple other interesting things. We'll deal with these verses next week, but just take a quick look uh, at verse 13. The phrase, deliver us from evil. The Jews, again, with regard to that section of the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil, had a prayer that went something like this. Be it thy good pleasure, notice, be it thy good pleasure to free us from an evil man and an evil event, from evil affections, from an evil companion and neighbor from Satan. And what would usually happen, and this is part of the saddening thought of the Jews, who seemed to be holy, who seemed to have a reverence for the the God of heaven, but yet they rejected Christ. They would often finish their prayers with a doxology or some kind of an ascribed praise. And sometimes it's simply the word at the end of verse 13, which is simply, amen. Amen at the close of a prayer is a doxology of sorts. It is an ascription of prayer, or of praise rather. It is acknowledging that we praise you, that we have put these petitions before you, knowing that these are all according to your will, they're all according to your plan, but we've prayed with the right priorities in order that your name would be hallowed, that your kingdom would come, and that your will would be done. And then, give us our daily bread. Such a sad thought to think that they could be so close, yet be so far away. When we pray for God's kingdom to come, we certainly do pray not just for his reign on earth, but we certainly do pray and desire for his kingdom to come. All believers are looking forward to the second coming, at least I hope you are. I hope that you're looking forward to Christ coming again and establishing that kingdom and all things being made right, knowing that ultimately one day his supreme will will be done in earth and there will be a universal obedience just like it is in heaven. It is coming, folks. We don't know the hour, we don't know the day, we don't know the time, but we do know that it is coming. We want the Lord's will to be carried out. We want the Lord's kingdom to come. But we also understand that we're submissive to his plan and his will. Our greatest desire as believers tonight really should truly and ultimately be for God's honor. It really is tough for us to pray without us being the center of that prayer. I think it's harder than what we actually realize. I know for me personally, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get our eyes off of ourselves Again, he's not saying don't pray for your needs. Don't pray for your wants. But do I truly make his name 
his glory, his honor, his dominion, my highest desire. Because that's what's at the heart, that's what's at the heart of the Lord's prayer. So let's, let's deal a little bit with this verse, with the give us this day. Notice, give us this day our daily bread. Now in this context, he doesn't just mean food. He means everything necessary to sustain life. This petition, really, the implication is this, that we are 100% dependent upon God for everything. He's the one that supplies our needs. He's the one that supplies our wants. You are as dependent upon him tomorrow as you were today. And the next day. And the next day. And the day after that. We are in complete dependence when we say give us because we are acknowledging that everything we have and everything that we hope to have must come from him. Now man has become in many ways more intelligent, has become more creative, but in that, in man's education, nothing wrong with that, but what has happened is man has begun to lose his sense of dependence upon anything or anyone. It's almost, it's almost determined to be a sign of weakness if you depend on someone or depend on someone else. Yet that's what this is. We're completely depending upon you to supply our needs. Now why, remember, who's the one instructing this prayer? Jesus is the one that is instructing this prayer and that the intention is that this prayer or this request should be made, be made every day. Give us this day. Folks, the reality is I need him as much tomorrow as I needed him today. There is never a day when I can wake up and say I'm not dependent upon God today. I don't need him today. But how many people throughout the years wake up over a period of time and decide, I don't need God anymore. Remember, this is not just about food on the table. This is much deeper than that. This is, I have decided I can go alone. I can go alone. I don't have to depend upon God to give me anything. I'll just get for myself. Notice that there's a plural sense to these words give us now this prayer is not just a prayer that would be used on an individual basis the give us suggests that this could be used by more than one person at a time it might be a group of people it might be a community of people it might be a church like ours simply independence upon god says before this holy god give us this day our daily bread this group of people give us you know we don't have the privilege and I, I call this a privilege and to meet every day for worship we're not gathered together every day but it's evident that this prayer even as Jesus taught this 
that this is something that's, that can be implied to be something that you could pray for either as an individual or as a family every single day. Give us this day our daily bread. You realize that there's no greater, there's no greater thing we can do than to offer up our voices and offer up ourselves into independence upon God. We're not asking God to come along with us as we plan it. We're asking him, because we're dependent upon him, to give it to us. I think we lose sight of the reality of what it is to actually teach our children what dependence looks like. And I, I, I strongly encourage our fathers to not allow that to be a part of weakness. We live in a society that's taught as a man, don't let, don't let that be, don't show weakness. Dependence on God is not weakness. It's one, of the, it's one of the most beautiful pictures you can teach your children, your grandchildren, is to show them, look, I as an individual depend upon God and our family depends upon God. Dependence is not weakness. And we hear a lot about that in our society today about we don't want to be dependent upon this. We want to be dependent upon that. And it's got a very negative connotation. But there is no negative connotation with dependence upon God. Because a believer should be dependent upon God. So what we also see here is that this dependence upon God is also being done as a way of pleading with God. We're pleading with God to give those blessings that he gives knowing that those things must come from him i want to show you a couple of verses that make reference to bread and i I want you to see again that it it goes beyond just this idea of putting food on the table look at matthew 4 matthew chapter 4 verse number 4 you'll recall this is This is Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And you'll recall that it tells us in verse 3 that when the tempter came to him, he said to him, he said to Jesus, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he... That's Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's dependence. I am dependent and I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not just some of the words. Not just some of the books of the Bible, not just some of the chapters, but every word that proceeds from his mouth, I am dependent upon. Now, what Jesus said in Matthew 4.4 was not something he just kind of pulled out of the air. If you go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter number 8, you're going to see a very similar expression being given here. Remember, Jesus was, was quoting Scripture. And notice in verse number, let's look at, let's look at Deuteronomy 8, and let's begin in verse number 1, because I want you to see the context. 
The idea here is, is to remember God's care. In other words, how has God taken care of us in the past? This is when they were in the wilderness and he was reminding them that remember how God took care of you in the wilderness. Verse one, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know. Now look at this. He did all these things for this purpose. That he might make thee, make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. When Jesus is teaching that in the Lord's Prayer, this is not just some random thought. This goes all the way back to the idea of teaching us by way of remembrance, by teaching us, remember how God has humbled you. Remember how God has fed thee. Remember how God has taken care of you in order to make known unto you that this is in fact the only way in which man can live is in total dependence upon God. This daily bread is also referenced in Proverbs 30, verse number 8. Again, this reference here. These are interesting references because when we think about it, they all have a common theme. Proverbs 30, you know, Proverbs are often, they seem to be disjointed thoughts. They don't all seem to go together. They don't seem to have one cohesive thought. But in, in Proverbs 30, drop down to verse number 8. Actually, let's, let's, go, let's, go back, let's go back to, let's start at verse number three. It says, I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full, please notice this, lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. There are so many lessons in this. 
the, the lessons are innumerable and, and talking about when we understand when God is the one giving us, he says, you've got to be careful because if you get too full, if you get too much, you'll deny him. And if you have too little, you'll steal. Again, it's dependence, dependence upon what? It tells us in verse number in verse number five, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. So when Jesus was teaching his disciples about give us this day our daily bread, he was teaching them and reminding them of what dependence looks like. And he was reminding them, remember the word of God. Remember the purity of his word. Remember his word never fails. Remember how he took care of you. Remember how he's provided for you. And then let me show you one more. Isaiah 33, 16. Isaiah 33, 16. And this is in the passage of Isaiah really giving an exaltation of the Lord. Let me, let's, as I've just been doing, let me go back a couple of verses and let's start with, let's start with verse five. The Lord is exalted for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Behold, their valiant ones shall cry without. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. The highways lie waste. The wayfaring man ceaseth. He hath broken the covenant. He hath despised the cities. He regardeth no man. The earth mourneth and languisheth. Lebanon is ashamed and hewn down. Sharon is like wilderness, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. Now will I rise, saith the Lord. Now will I be exalted. Now will I lift up myself. Ye shall conceive chafe. Ye shall bring forth stubble. Your breath as fire shall devour you. And the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up shall they be burned in the fire. Hear ye that are far off what I have done. And ye that are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the, the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly. He that despiseth the gain of oppressions that shaketh his hands from, from holding of bribes that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. Watch this common word again. He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. The waters shall be sure. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Thine heart shall meditate terror. Where is the scribe? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counted the towers? Thou shalt not see a fierce people, a people of deeper speech than thou canst perceive, of the stammering tongue that thou canst not understand. And then drop down just to verse 21. It says, but he says in verse 20, to look upon Zion 
But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams wherein shall be, go no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ship pass by, pass thereby. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. You notice what Isaiah was doing is Isaiah was exalting the Lord above all else. He is where our treasure is. He is where our defense is. He is the one that provides the bread. It is his name that is to be exalted. It is his kingdom that we want to come and to rule and to reign. It is his will we want to be done. Oftentimes there's so many lessons that we learn in these, these particular uh, passages and in these verses but every word here has a lesson to it when we ask God for bread we are asking in humility and we're asking in temperance we're not only asking for bread we're asking for bread from that he determines what we need we ask for our bread that teaches us to be honest we don't even ask for the bread of others. We ask for our bread. We ask for our daily bread. Folks, which does exactly what we've just read about. It teaches us to constantly to depend upon the divine providence of God. And the question tonight all of us need to ask ourselves is do we truly live in dependence upon God? We are pretty industrious people. We are, we are pretty creative. But are we in dependence? Are we in dependence upon His providence? Notice the beauty of give us this day our daily bread. He's not selling it to us. He's not lending it to us. He's giving it to us. The greatest of all mankind, no matter how great a man's name is, no matter how great of a reputation a person has, every single individual is held to the mercy of God. What God determines to give, what God determines to take away, give to us teaches us to not only depend upon Him, but it also ought to teach us to have compassion on other people. Every day, give us this day our daily bread. Teaches us to renew our souls and our minds every single day to dependence. We pray as if we can't go a single day without depending upon Him. There's times in our own life where we look at something and we think we're independent and what we really are doing is we're providing our own way. The Bible doesn't teach us we're allowed to be idle, we're allowed to be lazy. Read through the Proverbs and you'll see how many times Solomon makes mention of the sluggard and the lazy man. This is not give us that just lays there and opens our mouth and waits for God to deliver it. But we request and understand that we know that whatever we have, whatever we receive, it must come from Him. 
What this prayer of Jesus is really teaching, we bring this to a close, is Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray with a humble and contented mind. Do you pray with contentment? If God doesn't give you another single thing, are you content with it? Contentment's an elusive thing. Because contentment often is driven by our perception of what we have as to whether it's enough. Every day we're bombarded on all sides about what we don't have or what someone else has. We're dependent upon what he gives. This drive today to say, listen, it's only, in, it's only in your independence of weight and yourself that you can stand. No, the believers are independent upon God because of the riches of the mercy and the grace that he has given to us. And we need his daily supply. And we ask, not as people who are independent, but we ask as people who are dependent upon him. Spurgeon put it this way, he said, Give me, Lord, both the bread of heaven and of earth, that which feeds my soul and sustains my body, for all I look to Thee, my Father. Everything we have, everything we receive, everything we need comes from His hand. Jesus wanted His disciples to know how to depend Remember, the disciples don't know what's coming down the road. They don't realize fully yet all that's going to happen to Jesus himself. They don't realize that within a very short period of time, they are all going to find themselves martyred. Don't believe the lie that when they were, they were sitting here listening to Jesus speak, that they had any idea what the cross was. They were not looking to the cross. They had no idea. Jesus hasn't even begun to even reveal those things. They're not anywhere nearly ready to do that. So where this is placed in Jesus' ministry to disciples is very important. Why? Because at the very beginning, he's teaching them dependence. I think it's something that's missing. When we talk about discipleship, when new converts... Do we teach them about dependence? Oftentimes, our discipleship programs are all about teaching them to be a good Christian. But what about teaching them part of the Lord's Prayer that says, listen, here's what believers do. Their great three desires are that God's name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, and that his will would be done, and that we would learn total dependence upon him. Dependence is a humbling thing because it requires us to simply say Lord I'm content with what you give me but I also know that any good thing that I need or any good thing I want must come from your hand and we learn to trust in him next week we will look at verses 12 through uh, the end of a particular section down to verse 15 because these are all connected thoughts about the forgiveness of debts, forgiving debtors, forgiving men, 
and then understanding that we have been forgiven by God himself. So we'll look forward to that uh, next week. Let's pray together, and then I'll give you just a short couple words, couple verses, and we'll be on our way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the instruction from your word. And Lord, what it must have been like for Jesus seated there, teaching the disciples and others that were hearing. And in my mind's eye, I cannot escape the thought that many of them, maybe even like many of us tonight, were not grasping the full gravity, the weight of what Jesus was teaching about the kingdom, about the Father's will, and about this dependence. Lord, teach us what dependence upon you is. Father, we realize that oftentimes we, we act independently of you. And we don't even realize we're doing it. We think we're, we're acting and, and serving and depending upon your will, but we're doing things in our own strength, in our own power. Lord, may that be the cry of our hearts. Give us this day our daily bread. May we learn to live in humility. Give us contented minds that rest in the providential hand. Lord, help us to get our eyes off the world and all the things that so drive us to want more and need more and can never seem to have our earthly appetites and thirst quenched or satisfied. We know that you will withhold no good thing from your people. And Lord, the greatest gift we've ever been given is the gift of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. Father, if there be anyone here tonight and even anyone within the sound of my voice, by live stream, whatever it might be, who has yet to repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that in the power of the Spirit, that their eyes would be opened, they would have the blindness removed, that their ears would be unstopped, that they would be made willing to believe, and that their souls would be gloriously converted. And we know that salvation is of the Lord, and it's according to your will. Lord, we know we did not choose you. You chose us. And may that very thought, realizing what dependence really must be, because our salvation depends upon you, not on what we could bring, not on what we could offer. May we leave here tonight rejoicing in the fact that you've called us to be dependent, to be humble, to be content, and to desire the howling of your name and your kingdom and your will to be done. Father, thank you for these things. And it's in Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. Well, if you stand with me, we want to read just a couple verses from the book of Jude, Jude 24 and 25. I think I read this a couple weeks ago, and it's just been brought back to my mind again, these two verses. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen.
Lord bless you. Thank you for being here. We'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning. Thank you.